Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader, or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, hello. We are back with another episode of the Leading Learning Podcast, fighting the good fight for leaders and emerging leaders in the business of lifelong learning. And speaking of that word leadership, today we are continuing on our series of interviews with people who are going to be serving as faculty at the Leading Learning Symposium. And I know that the uh, the person that uh, we talked to this week is particularly focused on leadership as a topic. That's right. I spoke with Lisa Bing. Um, she really is uh, all about leadership and leadership development. Um, she's also an adjunct professor at New York University, so I think she's this really nice mixture of, of, of exactly what the symposium is about, you know, sh- about the learning on one side and the leading on the other side, and she really does see leading and learning as indispensable to each other, and that's, that's part of what we talked about. Well, we obviously see that as indispensable too. That's the the name of this podcast, the name of the symposium. And so it's great to have somebody like Lisa joining us on the faculty and fantastic to be getting her insights in this episode of the podcast. So once again, let's stop talking and just get on with the interview. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and I'm Salisa Steele, and I'm joined today by Lisa Bing. She's a faculty member of the Leading Learning Symposium. She's the founder of Bing Consulting Group. Uh, She's an organizational development practitioner, an executive coach, uh, a really skilled leadership team builder. She's also an adjunct professor at New York University. So, So thank you for taking time to talk with me today, Lisa. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I told folks... A little bit about you, but you know, tell us a little bit more about you and your background and, and your work. Sure, sure. Um, well, companies like um, the Federal Reserve, Pfizer, the American Cancer Society hire me to help them accelerate their strategy. And what I do is work with their senior leaders essentially as a thinking partner or as a trusted advisor in a number of different areas, whether it's how to help them extend their influence, whether it's a matter of helping them create the culture that they desire or focusing on the people and process um, adjustments that need that need to be made in order to um, to move their strategy forward, and so my work with them often results in productivity and performance improvements by up to fifty percent. Well, that's great. So it sounds like yeah, real real results in in what you're helping them focus on. Yes, yes. And, and so I tend to think of you as, as knowing a lot about about leadership, and so I. I I'd love to ask kind of what do you see as that relationship between learning and leadership? You know, how do they fit together? 
And you can either answer that in terms of, you know, in an ideal world, how would they fit together? Or, you know, in your experience working with organizations, how have you seen learning and and leadership fit together? Well, I love that question because you mentioned that I I teach adjunct at NYU and the class that I teach there is called Leadership and Management. And I start the class with two quotes, one of which is from JFK that says, leading and learning are indispensable to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think and I think that sums it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, in my opinion, you cannot be a leader if you're not learning, uh, and especially in today's environment. Now, you know, the question of whether or not or how pervasive that mindset is is a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's the ideal, and then there's what's actually happening. Yeah. That's right. And and to you know, between you, me, and the gatepost. Um, I, I, my, my, I have a subversive approach, if you will, to learning um, that is sort of infiltrated or a part of everything that I do, whether it's in, the, in a classroom setting, a workshop, or in a consulting um, a, um, arrangement or my consulting work with my clients. So, so talk about that a little bit more when you say you have a subversive approach to learning. I like that. It sounds, it sounds intriguing. So what do you mean by that? Well, I'll give you an example. So I have, a, I have a client that I'm working with right now. It's one of the largest commercial real estate um, companies uh, here in Brooklyn that is growing. And part of the challenge is how, do I, how does the owner step away um, to do other things, to build the, be the face of the company, etc., and maintain, have his team maintain the same level of production and productivity that they do when he's there is when he's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a learning issue, right? In right? you know, but he doesn't necessarily see it that way. Um, so that's what I mean by you know my subversive um, infiltration of learning. And so I, I I steer the conversation, I steer the work around to what do you as the leader need to learn in order to create an environment where productivity is at the same level whether you're there or not and what do your people need to learn in order to deliver at that level Mm -hmm. Um, there's another uh, senior executive that I've worked with pretty consistently over the last few years and early in his tenure as a new president I said what do you need to learn in order to achieve the goals that that you have before you and he looked at me with a real puzzled look and said, uh, what do you mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I didn't even register. And I can say that, you know, three years on, um, he has a different approach. And I can see the, the growth in him, the growth in his people, and the growth in his organization. Well, and I like what you're saying about, uh, it, you know, these being learning issues. Because, right, I mean, the... A definition of learning that gets uh, bandied about a lot is the idea of, you know, it's changed behavior. I mean, that's when learning has happened, is when something has changed. Right. Well, I'm glad you raised that because I think, you know, going back to the basics and asking the fundamental question, what is learning, is an important uh, question, you know, and um, to ask. I had a conversation with a, a coach of mine the other day talking about this, and he said, well, I think... Well, learning is cognitive, and the reality is is that learning is cognitive. It's a mental activity. It's um, emotional because a lot of times learning doesn't happen um, 
because there are fears that are built up um, or insecurities or what have you. So, And learning happens because of excitement, because of emotional uh, drivers, and it is behavioral. Mm-hmm. Because one could argue, if I have learned... Um, if I have learned how to eat properly, <laughs> then why am I not eating properly? Uh-huh, right. There's that gap between the what you know and then what you actually do. Yeah. That's right. So I think that, you know, just to sum it up, learning is a function of change, something new, whether it's knowledge, skill, or behavior. Mm-hmm. And ideally, it's some combination of those three. I totally agree. And and you've shared a little bit from some examples of, of organizations and people that you're working with. But, you know, if you step back and look kind of more uh, as a group at the organizations and people you, you work with, I mean, do you find that the leaders in organizations are thinking about learning their own and, you know, that of their staff? Um, is it on their radar? Yeah, I, I would say it's not. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I would say it's not. And I, you know, also when I look through, you know, if you do a basic Google search, um, not a full out literature review, <laughs> but <Right. laughs> let's make that distinction. <laughs> if you do a Google search about learning and business, what comes back um, largely is about uh, is learning in the in the um, in the school system. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even think it's talked about a lot. I don't have a lot of leaders talking to me about learning. Um, And that's why I say, you know, that in my work and my approach is often very subversive. And I also introduce the the concept as a way of doing a couple of things. Number one, in today's world, if you're not learning, you're falling behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two... As a leader, you're responsible for the, for the learning of your people as well as your own learning. And number three, I think we need to talk openly about what learning is and how you, um, you activate learning. Because what I see also, especially having the classroom experience, learning is often thought about in terms of, okay, we need a workshop mm-hmm. or I need to take a class. Um, Learning in the business world, I hear around e-learning. So, you know, are we doing webinars? But those are those are activities that are not necessarily leading to what to to real learning. Um, and it goes back to: is it shifting behavior? Is it shifting the way people think? Is it shifting what people are able to do? Um, and that takes a particular skill. What through teaching, through coaching. Um, formally as well as informally. So making that shift from learning is about content, getting more information, getting more data, um, as opposed to um, how can I, you know, we talk about as a teachable moment. How can I use this moment to help people learn? So I'll give you a quick example about uh, around some simple things that people can do, that leaders can do to activate um, what I call the informal learning Mm -hmm. or the casual learning. Let's take meetings, for example, which is the bane of most people's existence. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) However, and I have a workshop that I do on running effective meetings. Um, The reality is, is that in the world we live in now where collaboration is the name of the game, meetings are a tool of collaboration. 
Meetings are often not done well, and data shows that 45% of the meetings held are not effective. Um, and that's a lot of time and money and uh, manpower that's wasted. And yet, who is asking the question, what do we need to learn in order to improve how we run meetings and make them more productive? Mm. Right? Those questions are not being asked. But here are some simple things that can be done to activate learning um, in a staff meeting, let's say. One is to, to give the, the group, um, whether beforehand and actually during the meeting is even more effective, give them a, a, a short article, a few paragraphs to read that's outside of the normal scope of your conversation. And initiate some discussion around what about this do you agree with, what do you disagree with, how does this relate to what we're trying to do, what could we apply to the to what we're trying to do, in what ways might it work or not. That stimulates um, learning because now I'm forced to think outside my normal, um, comfortable mindset. Um, I use quotes a lot as a way of stimulating learning. Um, just putting up, you know, a couple of quotes. I used the, mentioned the JFK quote a minute ago. That generates a lot of discussion. And it helps people to start thinking about, what do I think about this? It also provides the leader an opportunity to see how his or her people are. Uh, number one, do they take responsibility for their own thoughts? Or do they care more about who said this and should I listen to this person? <laughs> um, so there's an opportunity for the leader to learn about the group. It's an opportunity for the group to learn about a new subject matter as well as to learn more about their leader and the way he or she thinks, um, their expectations, the um, expectations and abilities of their peers and so forth. So in a very simple 10-minute discussion, 15-minute discussion, a lot of learning can happen mm -hmm. at no cost. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, and I think that's great because, you know, a lot of the organizations, we work with a lot of trade and professional associations. I mean, you know, they're, and they're in the, the education, um, you know, department in that side of the business. Uh, and, and so I think a lot of it ends up being about um, education as product, um, mm -hmm. you know, rather than that focus on the education as process and that sort of inward look as well as that outward look. Yes, you know, this is an important revenue stream. Yes, there are products tied to, to what you're offering. You want to make sure that you're fostering and sure. activating learning there, but there also, you, you want to be a healthy organization. And so you as a, the leader um, behind um, the, the learning function at your organization, behind the education uh, department, you want to make sure that, yeah, you're engaging yourself as well. Exactly, exactly. And, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, education as product, um, because absolutely, that's important. Um, but I think increasing the, increasing the understanding of how people learn. Um, and here's one of the, 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 I think, fatal flaws in um, a lot of our leadership today is that we don't understand how people learn. So, you know, it's, it's like if you have a two-year-old and they're, you know, running around, they're touching things, they're, that's what two-year-olds do. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't understand that that's the behavior of a two-year-old and 
then you're going to have a problem. Now, I'm not suggesting that our people in organizations are two-year-olds, but what I am suggesting, (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave that alone. What I am suggesting, though, is that there are natural behavioral patterns of human beings that, when understood, make working with people and, and, and activating their motivation to learn and deliver is much easier. Yeah, and that, you know, definitely uh, resonates with with what I see too, you know, and I think that one of the big things that organizations that are in the learning business can do is to help the learners understand uh, how to learn and to to really set it up that way. I think, you know, we we feel like we've gone through, uh, you know, uh, educational experiences, we've been through, you know, K through 12, we've gone to higher ed, you know, whatever we've done, we feel like we've been exposed. And I think sometimes that can create that false sense of, oh, we know how to teach that's we right. know how to help learning and and often what we've been shown isn't the best example that's exactly true that's exactly right and and that also you you know you you highlight um Salisa, another important distinction between um you know our childhood education our, our growing up and how adults learn adults learn for different reasons um and in different ways and um and some of us have had you know frankly traumatic experiences through (laughs) education (laughs) right we've got to overcome that right (laughs) we have to overcome that you know and that's where the the emotional component of learning is so important to understand because fundamental well um unconsciously or inherently in learning is a suggestion that i'm not doing it right or i don't know Mm. And for adults, that is a huge, huge potential barrier. There's a lot of defensiveness, um, you know, in, in organiz- with leaders and with some of their teams, frankly, when you start to introduce learning because it suggests, well, why am I, you're, you're saying something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, I sat on a board once and I made a comment in the board meeting and some staff people were in the room. And I felt that the organization needed to have more emphasis on training. And I got such backlash from the staff, one of the staffers, who felt that I should have run this by her beforehand because it suggested that they weren't doing their jobs. I, that I didn't even, uh, that just really surprised me, that kind of reaction. Right. Right. No, that threat of, you know, you don't know, if you don't know something, then... Then, then something's wrong with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and you know, when I talked earlier about being subversive, that's one of the huge, that's one of the big issues that I attempt to address in, in however small ways that I can um, to help uh, leaders to, 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 to see that they need to model learning um, and to let their people see that... I, too, as the leader, have some things to learn and I'm working on in these areas um, so that it normalizes and it takes some of the sting out of the learning process. Um, you know, I talk about my own learning. You know, one of the things that that um, one of the way, things that I do is um, put myself in new situations from time to time so that I have um, the beginner's mind and, and it keeps me in touch with how people I may be working with may feel if I'm introducing something new to them. Um, you know, so... 
Well, uh, and to pick up on that, because that is one thing I wanted to ask about. It, I wanted to ask about your your own approach to your personal lifelong learning. So it sounds like at least one aspect of that is putting yourself in new situations. I mean, how, how else do you kind of keep learning and growing your knowledge and your, your skills? Yeah. Well, one of the built-in way, you know, one of the, 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 the great things about the work that I do is that it constantly, it requires me to learn all the time. Um, one of the things I love, love, love about the work that I do is, you know, if I'm in a real estate company, I mean, now I know a little bit about real estate that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I work with a, a, a hospital uh, chief medical officer, I'm learning about it, you know, a new area. So built into my work is a constant um, um, need to learn and to, to take in new information. Um, the other, what other way that I learn is by being in, in, in uh, community with folks like, like you and Jeff and Seth and uh, Seth Khan, who's on the, uh, the faculty in the upcoming conference, and Wes Trokel, who's also um, on, the, on the faculty of the conference, um, and being around people who are, are doing you know, great things in the world, um, interacting with people that have different perspectives from mine. Um, yeah, so it says like the social uh, social learning and the social aspect of learning is, is very key to how you approach it then. Yes, it is a social. So, you know, if I look at what's, the, you know, today's Wednesday, if I look at the last few days that I've spent, um, I've attended a board meeting with, you know, business owners. I've attended a community meeting with elected officials and nonprofits that are focused on um, improving the lives of, of young black men in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Um, I've been in a religious setting. Um, and so that's what I mean. So as I move in and out of different, different environments, um, I'm constantly being challenged about, well, how do I think about this? How do I feel about this idea? Oh, I didn't realize um, this perspective. Um, when you hear different people talk about their experiences. So that's one of the other ways, if that makes sense. No, um, it absolutely does. Yeah. I yeah. And then reading. Reading is fundamental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and I encourage my leaders to read outside of their field of interest or their field of expertise. So when I work with engineers, for example, you know, I encourage them to, you know, um, to explore the world of art. Um, and for, for engineers, that's, I mean, Steve Jobs is a perfect example, you know, of that. Um, so, you know, to go to a place in your hometown that you don't normally go to, you know, join a new group or just, you know, read a different book or a magazine, um, go to a museum, traveling, of course, um, and you don't have to get on a plane or a train to travel. You can, you know, just walk around your own neighborhood with an idea of identifying five new things. Mm-hmm. Go down that street you've never been down before. <laughs> That's right. Or even, even what if you went down the street, you always go down and look for five new things. Mm-hmm. Because that's learned. So, so that's, par- that's you know, paradigm shifting, right? Right. <laughs> and and which, is a, which is a huge issue, I think, also um, for the learning professionals in business organizations because you're talking about adults tend to learn 
because something has changed in their world. I've got a new job. I've got a new boss. I've got a new project. My, you know, I've gotten married. I've gotten divorced, whatever. But what about in the familiar when things are not so changing so dramatically? Um, how do you inspire learning in the familiar? And I think that is a challenge today that um, is worth exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of if it's if you're too complacent, then it can be that uh, I don't I don't I don't need to. We're making money. Everybody, you know, people are <clears throat> are engaged. Uh, they're performing well. Um, they, you know, where where the clients are happy, and that's great. And and there's nothing. And and at the same time, if we're not learning, we're falling behind. Right, because everything so else is accelerating around you and yeah. shifting around mm-hmm. us. So for leaders to have that mindset uh, with of learning without creating a sense of you're bad and wrong, you're not doing something, we're not, we're not doing well, uh, that learning is neutral and actually exciting. So you're going to be on faculty at the Leading Learning Symposium that's coming up. And, and so talk a little bit about what people can expect from you in terms of your style of teaching and, and facilitation. Well, I think, well, first of all, I'm very excited. I'm really looking forward to the the symposium. Um, I think what people can expect and what I hear a lot from people who hear me speak, uh, number one is, uh, (laughs) to use the vernacular, I keep it real. I will say what other people will not say. Right. (laughs) So just be prepared. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um. And I think a little bit differently. I, I see things a little bit differently, I think, because I do move in, in, in and out of different worlds and environments. So I see connections that others may not see. Mm. Um, and my, my facilitation style is very interactive. And it's a bit provocative. My, I, I feel that my, my job is to help people think differently. Mm-hmm. And so I do things, whether it's, you know, in asking a question, whether it's creating an activity. Um, sometimes I, I, I think in my leadership classes in particular, there are some activities that I have that initially people are thinking, what is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's always a, um, a method to my, to my madness. And like a good cook, I don't, I, I try not to leave, um, anything, any opportunity wasted. Uh-huh. <laughs> use, use up all the ingredients. All right. <laughs> use up all the ingredients, the stems and everything. <laughs> well, excellent. And, and so just to wrap up here, um, you know, if people want to learn a little bit more about you, what, what's the best way for people to, to find out more about you out on the, the web? Sure. Well, um, you can always go to my website, which is um, bingconsulting.biz, B-I-Z, like zebra. Um, And you can get my phone number is 718-398-8516. And my email is lbing at bingconsulting.biz. Well, great. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your time. Really looking forward to uh, having you part of the symposium and, uh, and, and finding out more about your subversive learning there. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa, it's been a real pleasure and I'm look, looking forward to next month.
So that's it for our interview with Lisa Bing. Hope you got a lot of value out of that. To get the show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode eight. And as always, while you are there, you will see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And, and if that's something that you have not done yet and you're getting value out of the podcast, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. And we'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, to do that, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate it because it makes it a lot easier for other people interested in leading and learning and those topics to, to find the podcast. And last but not least, if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, again, please share it with others. Share the, the leading and the learning and the, and the love here. You can do that by sending out a tweet, and we'll help you out with that process. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com share, and that will automatically pop up a tweet that already has some language in it. Or if you are not into tweeting, you can take that same language and put it into Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever other channel uh, you prefer for sharing with others. But please share the good word about the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Mm-hmm.